We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's. Men from Moto. Digital strategies with Travis Sowers and David Seville. Intellect, vast, cool, and unsympathetic. Broadcast to the world with the uncanny help of Mana Deprived and FaceToFaceGames.com. Greetings, people of Earth. We are the Men from Moto, and you're listening to episode 63, Modern Men. My name is David Seville, and I have Travis Sowers with me on the line again this week. How are you, sir? Feeling very modern, David. How about you? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm not really sure what the definition of a modern man is. Is this somebody that like dresses nicely? Somebody has like a like a white collar job? Somebody that does work around the house? I'm not really sure what the uh, what what a modern man is. It's clearly someone who plays the modern cube. Oh. Is that what we're talking about today? Yes, that's what we're talking about today. Mm, all right, I'm just going to scratch my notes out here. And uh, okay, we got a fresh slate. There you go. So modern cube. But first, maybe we should talk a little bit about uh, arena, given that that's the hot topic of the last couple of weeks. How has your arena run been thus far? Dude, I'm still having an absolute blast with this game. Like, I, I'm excited to log in and play. It's nice, like, when I would start streaming first thing in the morning, like, while I'm having my coffee, that first draft of the day or first standard league of the day was always a little rough because the brain's not quite awake yet. Um, And I think I've decided that whatever I'm streaming or however I'm doing it, I'm certainly starting with Arena from now going forward. Like, sitting down and grinding out a few games while you wake up and just remembering what magic is, like, and, and kind of waking up to that has already been very beneficial to me. And the gameplay's fun. I've built some different decks. We have a bolus deck now. Um, you actually made the clip from the first time that I, I resolved a bolus, and the voiceover just has me loving it. Like, I, I want to buy voice packs for Arena, much like you can for Heroes, so I can just have Bolus narrate all of my plays. He sounds great. And, like, I want a Karn voiceover. So I'm, I'm excited about all of the things that they can do here. Like, there's still a lot of places where I can see room for improvement. Obviously, it's beta, but I, I've just been having an absolute blast playing two-block constructed, which is a format that I I never thought I'd care about. Uh, but just the presentation is so good, I'm happy to play it. Yeah, I mean, the format's not that bad. Um, you know, it, people don't have all of the cards yet, so it's not, you know, full-block constructed like you would see at a Pro Tour or a GP, for example. But it is pretty fun. You know, it's not that hard to build a competitive deck. Um, you know, people will talk about the economy and, and how it's slow to get cards. I've seen people with lists out there that are commons and uncommons only. Um, and I've seen lists that are coming from your starting collection only that seem to be competitive enough to slap a few wins together. So, um, it's, it's pretty interesting to see, uh, all of the different decks that I've run into people that are piecing together these kind of crazy con- concoctions out of what they have in their collection. And it's pretty fun. It's pretty refreshing to see, you know, not necessarily the same three or four decks over and over again. Um, we do see a lot of that still, um, but it's not as pronounced as it would be at like a GP or something like that. There's a lot of room for brewing here, and I think it's really cool. Uh, and it's really rewarding to the people that enjoy that kind of gameplay, right? Like, there's a lot of people out there that like to brew when they go to Friday Night Magic, I think. And it's tough when you're laid into a format and everybody's playing Pro Tour quality decks. And you're like, I just want to play my Merfolk deck. And, um, and on Magic Arena, you can do that. And even if you get bad matchups, you can just 
you know, lose the game and quickly find another one until you find kind of that, that one matchup where your Hadama's climb goes the distance. And it's, it's quite fun. I've also noticed a, a kind of change in viewership in that the, the people that were already watching are interested in checking it out. And I do switch back over to Magic Online and usually do one draft a day in Magic Online. I'm, I'm still enjoying it. I did some cube drafts today, which we'll talk about that soon. But I've also noticed a lot of old viewers coming back to check out Arena. And I don't know why. Maybe this is left over from sales, but I remember names very well and screen names as well. So like, I'll have somebody say something in chat and I'll be like, dude, I, I remember you watching this channel three years ago. And they're like, wow, you've got a great memory. Yeah, I used to watch this all the time. I got out of Magic, but I was interested in checking out Arena and it looks good. I'm going to have to sign up for this. Like I'm having that conversation three or four times a day as people are coming back to check out Arena and see what it's about. And like a lot of people are coming in and like, hey, I haven't played Magic in 15 years. This looks interesting. What's changed? I'm like, well... Creatures are good. Spells aren't as good as they used to be. Get signed up and start playing. But it, it seems like it's already generating an interest in the the right kinds of people. And then I've also got people who have typically been watchers of other card games coming in and asking questions. So they'll start asking. I can tell if they came from Hearthstone where they're like, you know, why can't you just send that at their face? I'm like, okay, you're not used to a game that has blocking. And then I, I can tell if they've come from Eternal, like, you know, why would you want to pretend that you have a spell when you don't? Because, like, they're just not used to having the ability to do that. So it's it's kind of neat to have all of these different people coming in from different for different reasons, but all kind of converging around wanting to check out Arena. And it, it's just got me really excited for the future possibilities of this game. Yeah, I've got a, a group of friends that I hang out with in Discord um, connected through a real-life friend of mine. And... Um, one or two of them play magic and there's a fairly large group of them um and so when i would stream and i would go in there i'm like hey hey i'm streaming magic if anybody wants to come watch um you know no really nobody really paid attention which is fine it's not really their bag but now um i'm getting people out of this discord channel that are like hey you know this seems really cool i play hearthstone or i've never even heard of magic but i this looks cool i want you to tell me about it and i did like a five minute rundown on stream the other day for a new a new person who was like, I signed up for the beta. I've never played magic. I don't have a key yet, but I imagine I'll get one soon. How do I play this game? Can you tell me what those cards do? Can you tell me what lands do? And it was really refreshing um, because these people are experiencing the game for the first time. And I take for granted that people like you and me are grizzled vets, right? Like when we stream magic on magic online, we just kind of assume that everybody in there is there to watch the game and they know how to play. Not a lot of people watch it because they're new. It's a hard game to follow. And, I've kind of had to take a step back and start taking that approach to to explaining to people like, you know, these are the basics of the game. This is how it compares to Hearthstone. This is how mana is different in Magic versus Hearthstone. And I saw somebody today reference um, interrupts. That's how old school they were. They're like, <laughs> is, an instant, is an instant just an interrupt? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes, basically. And, uh, and I thought that was really cool. So I'm seeing the whole wide range of newbies to experienced people and people that play the game in paper that are just like, I'm looking for a way to play magic online without spending money on it. And, uh, and, and this is all for them. So it's really cool. I've noticed an uptick in my viewership. Um, and, and it's been entirely positive so far. And I like, you know, as much as I like playing with something on the line, sometimes it's fun when I'm not feeling like being super competitive. Um, I can sit down and still be competitive without having to worry about the losses as much. 
you know, I'm playing for pride more than dollars. And uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing when I don't feel like, uh, you know, I don't feel like putting my 100% into it one night. Yeah, or you just want to sit back and have some fun. Like, I, I think I've genuinely rediscovered playing Magic just for fun through Arena. Because I, I can't imagine me trying to build a deck around Nicol Bolas, God Pharaoh, and then running it through a standard league. Like, that's that's just lighting money on fire. But on Arena, like, if, if you just want to try to do that, go for it, man. And we did. And I burned through, like, 50 points of rank or whatever, but I don't care. I resolved Bolas, like, five times and a few times even killed people with him. It's it's all worth it in the end. And, it, you know, I think in the grand scheme of things, it'll make us better, better magic players. Um, it flexes a different side of our magical creativity. You know, it's it's kind of like limited, kind of like constructed. These best of ones are kind of a weird metagame that you're kind of shaping your deck around and constantly changing things. I think in the long run, it, you know, when we get to best of threes and, and start playing a little more seriously, um, you know, in full block constructed, uh, I think we'll be better players for it. So I think there's a means to an end here. And uh, and it's all good having fun along the way, too. So I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see the next iteration. Uh, we know the next major update is coming at the end of this month. I'm guessing that will bring us at least Dominaria, maybe also Kaladesh. Um, and they have mentioned basically tournaments uh, already. So I'm excited to see what they have lined up for us there. They've talked about rewarding skill. Uh, so that that's that's something I'm very interested in as someone that thinks that they are skilled. Mm-hmm. I would say that for sure we're getting Dominaria if I had to put money on it. Uh, the reason being is that uh, there are five cards from Dominaria already in the client. You can't craft them, but they're in there for testing purposes, it looks like. You can see that the the uh, Lorwyn Elves, Lanawar Elves, sorry, are in there. And um, like I said, not craftable, but they are there. So I would imagine that we're going to get Dominaria fairly quickly. Plus economy changes, which we don't know anything about, um, should be live at the end of April as well. There was a state of the beta post today on the forum, and I think I think that's what they mentioned there. So lots of big stuff coming down the pipe for Arena. It's amazing how fast it goes um, when you're distracted by cube and master sets and all sorts of things like that. But NDA has only been lifted for a few weeks, and we're already getting more news, so this is great. It's been two weeks, dude. Two weeks today. Two weeks today or three weeks today? One. No, I guess it's only two weeks today. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Okay. So two weeks in, you're still playing Mono Red, and you got your Nickel Bullis deck. Anything else you're playing right now? I made a red-green dinosaur deck, or kind of red-green monsters deck, um, and I, I've been having a lot of fun with that, too. Like, I, I think the Mono Red deck is still the best deck, so like usually what I'll do is sit down and grind out 10 wins with the Mono Red deck, and then just play whichever of the other two I'm interested in for a couple hours. Yeah, that's fair. I'm still playing the, the blue-white tokens. It is incredible. Um, it's It's got a lot of wins underneath me that I shouldn't have won with other decks. Um, I've stolen games with, you know, top deck even win guides, hit you for 25 over the top. Um, it, it's kind of crazy. I've been keeping track of the number of times I've lost to Scarab God, and it's up to three. Um, so it's got game against blueback control. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. I should post a deck list one of these days, but, um, we keep tweaking it and refining it on stream, you know, changing one or two cards to play against the meta, um, used to be a little more controlling. Now it's a little more aggressive. Uh, I put a little more card draw on it. We're fiddling around between, um, charter course and strategic planning. And, uh, and it's kind of interesting to, to make these single card decisions that actually impact your deck in a meaningful way because you're playing games like so quickly you're playing so many games it's pretty easy to see the impact of a card on your deck 
within an hour or two because you're playing so many games. So it's really cool to see that you can do these kinds of tests and, and, and iterate over your deck very quickly um, without having to play 40 minutes a match or, you know, dedicate a whole night to a standard league or something like that. So it's pretty cool. Agree. Yeah, I've got a vampire deck that's also decent, but it's really just token spam and Radiant Destiny, which is also kind of fun. But other than that, I mean, you know, not much. Yeah, maybe tomorrow I'll build the blue-white tokens deck, because I'm kind of jelly of your blue-white tokens deck. What is the most important rare for me to get for that deck? Oh, man, it sucks, because I think they're all really good. Um, Anointed Procession is the one that will help you win games, uh, like, you know, quickly. Once you stick it and start getting cards from the graveyard, um, it's very good. Champion of Wits is probably one of the most important rares, but because it goes in so many other decks, it goes in almost any blue deck, I would say. So it's kind of a safe rare to craft. Um, and the card draw and discard is, is very powerful. Um, Angel of Sanctions is a mythic, is very good. You start with one in your collection, so you probably don't have to craft one. Um, one of those is good. And then I actually really like the... Um, uh, the cat, the adorned pouncer. Oh yeah. Okay. Be- believe it or not, it has been very good. You start with one of those as well. Um, if you're lucky enough to, to uh, lucky enough to pick up a second one, it can also go very well in there. But basically, what it is is um, it counters early aggression from red, and when it dies and becomes a four four double striker, it's it's very good. Um, but I think the anointed processions are probably the most important, and then from there, it's really just any kind of token maker at rare is, is good. Um, you know, Regal Caracal is good. I've started cutting them now, but those can also be very good. Um, and then the key cards though, I think are your uncommons, uh, Sunscourge Champion. You want four of those. Those are the guys that the two for two, three for three that gains you life when it comes into play and you can eternalize it for four mana and it gains you four life when it comes into play. Those guys are amazing because you can chain those. You, 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 you let one die and then you play it from the graveyard and discard another one mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. continue to do that. And the other key uncommon is the Vizier of the Anointed. This guy, I wish I had more of him, but I don't have enough uncommon wild cards to spend. He's the uh, four mana, a three and a blue for a two, four. Search your library for a card with Eternalizer and Balm, put it in your graveyard. And then every time you activate one of those cards from the graveyard, you draw a card. So you can kind of start churning through your deck that way too, especially with your, your cheap sacred cats, like your one drops from the graveyard are very, very good. There's a bunch of different ways to win with the deck. Um, I have one-off victory conditions with Avon Wind Guide, where sometimes you stick it and all your tokens fly. Um, Temet is a way to get around uh, slowly around dinosaur decks. I'm thinking about cutting it for another Avon Wind Guide, but he kind of does the same job. Um, and then obviously you can just fly over the top with like Angel of Sanctions or double strike them to death or all sorts of things. So it kind of attacks from from multiple different angles. Yeah, I'm going to have to build this. I'm, I'm getting too excited listening to it. Just <laughs> creatures with flashback sounds fun. It's fun. And the best feeling in the world is when you play a turn two Anointer Priest and your opponent Essence scatters it and you're like, sweet, I didn't even want that card. I just <laughs> wanted it in the graveyard. Nice. It's like I zero, I zero for one to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's so many different ways you can build it, and that's the cool thing. Like, you can play Castouts and Ixalan's Bindings, or you can play Counterspells, or you can play Oketra's Monuments, or you can do all these different things um, and and put your own personal spin on it. It's really just, like, 20 to 24 key cards, and all of them go to the graveyard and get value. Okay. I'm going to give that one a shot soon. I'll post the link on Twitter. Okay. 
But that's enough about Arena. I mean, probably won't talk about it until the release at the end of the month because we've got Dominaria between now and then. And also Modern Cube, which came out earlier this week. We missed the Tuesday release. You were you were a little sick, which is fine. Um, but we'll catch up now and you've had a chance to play it. So we've got a little bit of experience here with the new version of the Modern Cube. Yeah, which I, I think is actually a good thing because I've played this Modern Cube before. Like this is, I think, the second or third time that we've seen this. It's actually my most viewed stream highlight was a match of Modern Cube, um, which was a fun one, and I won't get too into it here now. But I managed to kill someone by stealing uh, their Ulamog with my... um, God, what's the guy? Zealous Conscripts. Zealous Conscripts and milling them out. When they attacked me, I had exactly 21 cards in my library. And chat said, Scoop, don't show them the library. I said the 21st card could be Zealous Conscripts. And it was. But like the the cube has dramatically changed since then, uh, with just a few little additions and subtractions. So I, I think it's actually a good thing that I got to play it and really look over this list, so that we could talk about what those differences are between the last time, and also just get you ready for it if you haven't played it before at all. So, what were the key changes um, that you noticed today when you were going through and doing your drafts and looking at the list? I think the biggest one uh, is the addition of Signets. Uh, But before I dive too heavy in here, you know, we should actually take just a minute or two and explain what Cube is. I know we've had a lot of new listeners, and I want to make people, like, aware of what Cube is, what it means, and what we're talking about when we get into here. So I tend to think of Cube as kind of like a greatest hits album from your favorite band, right? Like, after they've released 10 albums or whatever, you get the greatest hits album, and it's like got all the songs you heard on the radio or whatever. And that's what cubes are. It's someone taking a collection of magic cards and putting them into a draftable format, right? And usually each cube has a theme. So on Magic Online, we've had the Legacy Cube, the Vintage Cube, we've had a Commander Cube. There are people who make pauper cubes that only have commons and uncommons. One thing that is is usual to most cubes and true of the Magic Online cubes is that there's only one copy of each card. So if you see a Mimic Vat and you really want one, you don't have another opportunity to pick one up. The packs are also not collated by rarity. So like, you know, you're just going to have great cards in each pack, right? One of the tricks towards drafting cube is you should usually be drafting towards a deck that's looking to do something specific rather than just drafting good cards in in a color pair. Like good cards in a color pair will get you through most draft formats that have ever been. Even one that's, you know, tribal specific uh, like Ixalan, you could still just draft good green and black cards and have a decent deck. Uh, Whereas in this, you kind of want to draft with a purpose. So that's kind of the basic idea of Cube is you're going to be presented packs and it's going to look and feel like you're you're drafting, you're playing limited. What you're actually sort of doing is drafting a constructed style deck that has like a singular vision and purpose. Uh, Even though there's only one copy of an individual card, um, there may be other cards that do a similar thing that let you build around them. An example of that is Wildfire. This is four red red sorcery. Each player sacrifices four lands. Wildfire deals four damage to each creature. There's also destructive force in this cube. Five red red. Each player sacrifices five lands. Destructive force deals five damage to each creature. So like... If you can get both of those, you can really build around those two cards. And then there's various Wraths. Uh, There's a lot of of Mana Elves. So like you can kind of build around a strategy even while that Singleton rule is in place. 
So think of Cube as that greatest hits album from the Eagles, and you're happy to sit this down, put it in the 8-track, and just enjoy some good tunes. Okay. Well, that sounds great. Um, So Modern Cube is specifically modern curated cards. So there's, um, you know, we've had Vintage and Legacy and Legendary Cube and that, but Modern is a very... Uh, very much a smaller subset of cards compared to those to those cubes. So, what are some of the key differences then between modern cubes, let's say vintage cube or legacy cubes, that we've just played over the last few months? So, the and this is an interesting one, right? Because the first question I have for somebody when they're like, "Hey, you want to draft my cube?" I'll say, "Is it powered?" Right? Because I, I need to know. A powered cube is is uh, one that will have the mocks. It'll have the the, the most powerful cards you've ever seen. Black Lotus, Time Walk, Ancestral Recall, this sort of thing. And this, this cube does not have that, right? And we've seen that in the Magic Online Holiday Cube. Uh, we've also seen the uh, Legacy Cube, which is just like greatest hits from all time across Magic, but without those super very powerful broken cards. And that one's actually been one of my favorites to draft because you could go in a lot of different directions and there were a lot of old cards to enjoy, uh, but it wasn't so broken that you had like turn one or two kills, which is 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 fun to do once or twice. But for me, I didn't want to grind that for a week. Here, we're seeing a cube that's much more like that one, right? And that it's it's relatively low power, just because there weren't as many powerful cards and broken cards printed in the modern era. Um, and they've also seemed to have stuck with like not putting banned cards, cards that are banned and modern in here. So like Jace was a recent addition to this cube and Bloodbraid Elf was a recent addition to this cube. Um, if you've been playing Magic for a while and watched any modern, you'll recognize many of the cards that are in here. And there's card in- cards included from recent sets too. So you'll see stuff from Eldritch Moon. You'll see stuff from Ixalan in here and some of it's actually quite good. So I think that's the focus here is we're just looking at cards that are modern legal and it's going to be a relatively low power cube. There's still certainly very powerful and fun stuff that you can do. I did some of that today. I managed to build a red-white deck with one creature in it and then just build kind of a, a pile of cards that didn't have any white cards but really good mana and was resolving all sorts of powerful stuff in the late game to to win the game. But I think that that's kind of how I would describe this one is as a low-powered cube but I mentioned the signets earlier, and that's the second question I ask people after I say, is it powered? I'll need to know, does it have signets? Because that drastically changes how you want to draft. This cube did not have signets last time we played it, and now it does have enemy-colored signets specifically. So not allied ones, just the enemy ones. So, and So there's only five of them. So those kind of turn out to be your mocks equivalent in in drafting them right like you you see that and that's the equivalent of power in this cube right it it certainly is to me uh like a a a big thing that i'm looking for is is there colorless mana ramp in a cube and there certainly is in this one uh we've got all of the signets we've got mindstone overflowing chalice prismatic lens um cold steel heart chromatic lantern like there's a lot of ways for two and three mana to to basically break that fundamental rule of magic that you can only play one land to turn. And that's what these, you know, two and three mana artifacts that produce mana allow you to do is kind of cheat, right? So you can do that with rampant growth in green, but if there's colorless ramp in your cube, it's going to change like what you can draft. I've drafted cubes in the past that didn't have colorless mana ramp 
And like, you can't just sit down and start picking red six drops and think you're making a deck because you're never going to cast those. Like, that's, that's not realistic. But if there's Signets and if there's Colorless Mana Ramp, I can ex- absolutely pick a, an excellent six drop first pick and feel pretty comfortable that I'm going to be able to get that in my deck and cast it and, and get to play Magic with it. Yeah, we've talked about this before, too, when it comes to, you know, things like fixing, is that in a cube, you know, in, in a cube where 75% of the cards are powerful, um, you know, taking early fixing or taking early ramp, colorless ramp in this case, um, you're not missing out on much. The cards that you're passing, you're going to get just as powerful cards in the next pack that gets passed to you. So, you know, you can pass that Planeswalker and you'll probably find one just as good, if not better, in the next pack. So, you know, the mantra of take the fixing, take take the ramp in this case, kind of rings true um, no matter what you're doing. Yeah, I, 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 one small point I'm actually going to beg to differ with you there. Don't pass the Planeswalker, but everything else, yeah, go ahead and pass it. Okay, so when it comes to not passing the Planeswalker, is that because of the power level of the cube? Is that these are the most powerful cards? Like, what are you looking at when you're looking at the Planeswalkers? I feel like because most of the Planeswalkers are good 4 and 5 drops, and there's Colorless Mana Ramp to get you to 4 and 5 relatively quickly, and there's also not a lot of cards that interact with Planeswalkers short of attacking and blocking, and we're going to add into that that, like, this is sort of a creature-based cube, Yes, I drafted a deck that only had one creature in it today, but the rest of it was removal spells to remove my opponent's creatures. Basically, the Planeswalkers and the cards that act like Planeswalkers, um, the Scarab God is an honorary Planeswalker, for example, they are super powerful and kind of how you're going to win in this cube. Like, just generating that incremental advantage. Because every card everybody's playing is a great card, Right. But like these, you can slam on the board, make a token or kill a thing, and then still have them stick around and maintain that advantage over time. So Planeswalkers are usually pretty good in any cube, right? Like they're a very powerful card type. But uh, as I was reviewing these changes on stream the other day, um, friend of the show, Tommy Isorok, said, don't pass any Planeswalkers. Like look at the card list and then tell me why you would ever pass a Planeswalker. And I looked at the card list and I was like, he's right. So that, like the, the decks that I had, the two I've drafted so far, I really focused on getting Planeswalkers early, especially the very powerful ones that I saw. And I have not been disappointed with that. Like they're, they're just really difficult for people to interact with. Yeah, I guess all things equal. If, if my deck is just as strong as your deck, you know, my deck will win if I can get more value out of my cards and those repeatable effects from a Planeswalker. Um, or cards you can recur from the graveyard or things like that, right? Things that stick around. Uh, those are the ones that will get you the edge. Um, so it, it's just it's just simple math at that point. So that makes a lot of sense. So we're looking at bombs, in, in particular Planeswalkers or re- things with a repeatable effect. And then colorless ramp, like are those your one, two? Or is there anything else that kind of fits in there as an honorary mention for kind of your top picks? Well, for me too, like a, a huge top pick are the lands, right? Like I'm always a huge fan of taking lands in cube. Now, in, in previous cubes, we would have fetch lands, and then we'd have two duels that they can get. We'd have the shock lands uh, from Ravnica block, and we'd have the original duels. Now, in this cube, we don't have the original duels, but we do have the M and Ket duels. Now, so you can fetch them into play tapped. You can fetch them into play tapped. Now, bear in mind, we only have those for allied colors, right? They didn't make enemy colored versions of this cycle, the cycle lands. 
So you're not able to go fetch necessarily everything, um, but they are still in there for you to fetch. Um, there's also Terramorphic Expanse and Evolving Wilds in this cube. And there are various man lands. And then we've got a slew of buddy lands and filter lands. So like there's there's plenty of non-basics for you to choose from. And I've, I've mentioned this before, unless I'm playing monocoloring cube, I really feel like I've done something catastrophically wrong if I don't have at least five non-basic lands in my deck. There is no excuse for having bad mana in cube. And I'm talking even a two-color deck. I'm playing blue-white control. I really want to have at least three non-basics in there to fix that mana. So, like, it, it shouldn't be that hard for me to pick up a, a colonnade and a dark R wastes and a glacial fortress and, and be pretty happy with that. Mm-hmm. And then obviously that enables your splashes for your your planeswalkers, right? You know, you can splash an off off color Ashiok, for example, off a fetch and you know a swamp and a duel or something like that or a shockland, right? And, and kind of be okay with that. So again, looking for those edges in getting your bombs down under the table and just enabling those things. So, are are is that the order that you're picking, or are you picking lands higher than than things like planeswalkers? Like, have you been able to pass a land over a powerful card? yet um i mean yeah basically that's that's the pick order for me is if if i open a planeswalker that i think i can win the game with and let's be honest there's tiers of planeswalkers right um so like something like jace for example the mind sculptor exceptionally powerful i'm going to first pick that over just about anything um whereas chandra torch of defiance like, this is where, in a normal cube, I would probably take a land over Chandra. In this one, I'm not going to. I'm going to go ahead and grab it, right? Like, I think that's another one that's pretty darn powerful. Then there's, like, another tier of, of Planeswalkers where, like, Sarkin Dragonspeaker fits in. Like, he's not bad. He's a little overcosted. Um like he's he's not terrible, but he's probably not going to win the the game on his own. They they can interact with him when he's attacking. He's kind of like a removal spell that that does a little more. He's kind of like a bad glory bringer now that I think about it. Um, but it, like he gets the job done, and I played with him in a deck today. And then there's other planeswalkers that are just kind of okay. A Johnny Mentor of Heroes comes to mind in in this camp. That's the five mana Johnny that you know puts three counters on your dudes. Um, or looks for creatures or enchantments or something like creatures or auras. Um, so like this one's not exactly blowing my mind. So I, I'm going to try to rate those those planeswalkers and look at it and say if if I resolve this and defend it, is it just going to win the game on its own? If it is, I'm going to pick that over just about anything. After that, for me comes the mana rocks. Like and let's say that I've you know picked Jace and I've picked Ashiok and I get past a Boros Signet. I'm taking the Boros Signet. It doesn't matter that it doesn't fix me for those colors. I'll find that part later uh, because I can probably do that with lands. Like the Signets are just too valuable that I don't even care if I'm I'm using the color that they produce. Like they're just that good for the ramp. And then after that, that's where I'm starting to just, you know, take lands. And I'll take lands over just about everything else. There's so many good removal spells that you're going to end up with two or three anyway. Like... It doesn't matter to me whether I have Journey to Nowhere or Oblivion Ring. Yeah, Oblivion Ring's a little better. It can hit Planeswalkers. But I, I'm not going to like take that over a really good Planeswalker or over a Fetch Land, for example. So I, I would prioritize the lands and then be aware that you may find ways to fix yourself with lands that you're not used to. So like, if I'm playing 
God, it, it's hard to come up with examples of this on the fly, but let's say I'm playing a black red deck. I, I can sometimes turn a uh, blue black fetch into a dual land for that deck if I've picked right. the right lands to go with it. Right. So like, you, and that you, that makes sense. You're looking for a shock land that you can fetch with either. You're looking for shock lands you can fetch with either side of of the fetch land. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you're right, not, so you you're not used to seeing that in modern decks, but it's something you can do here. Right. Right. Okay. And that and that makes sense. So now you mentioned that there were only the five allied colored pairs of the Amon Ket lands, obviously, but they have all ten shock lands and fetch lands, right? Yes. Okay. Great. So. Um, so you have 15 lands to fetch and 10 fetch lands total. Okay, so you should be able to see them, you know, quite... You know, they, sh- they should appear in every draft um, in some capacity in your colors. It's just whether you, they get past you or not mm-hmm. is, is the key thing. Okay. Um, okay, so we've got... You've got bombs, planeswalkers, you know, your ramp, and then your lands and your fixing. Um, are there any other cards that stand out as being, like, in your top tier of, like, top picks... You know, like we we talked about these car- these creatures with activated abilities. Are there any other honorary planeswalkers that you're looking out for um, when when you're just opening up a pack, or is that pretty much it? Are you just kind of looking to fill in the gaps with any creature that that fills your curve out and and, and plays a role in your deck? Yeah, I I would say try to again try to be building towards something, um, and then just looking for very powerful cards like phantasmal image clone style effects. Um, I think are honorary planeswalkers. You just get a copy of the most powerful thing uh, that's there. I've seen Dark Confidant already be very good in this cube, um, which is odd because it's a card I see in a lot of cubes and it's not one that I've played very often. But if you draft around it, you you can get there. I I think there is an okay mono black deck if you want to put that together. And I, I like the fact that all of the different strategies are represented. Like you can do mono white aggro, mono red aggro, mono black aggro-ish, and then any of the color pairs kind of fit together. Um, I think Consecrated Sphinx kind of counts as an honorary Planeswalker. Um, it's a 6-mana s- 4-6 four, when your opponent draws a card. You draw 2. Yeah, that card's a little dumb. I remember playing with that in... What, what limited block was that? Return to Ravnica? Uh, no, it was uh, Scars. Scars, okay. So I didn't play with it. I must have played with it in a cube. This is a dumb card. Um... Are there actually archetypes, like aside from just color pairs? Are there are there things you can be looking for? Like, is there a reanimator? Is there, um, I mean, I don't even know what else you would do in this cube. I guess there's a Kiki Jiki combo. Like, what other archetypes are there, um, and are they worth trying to go for? There is a Kiki Jiki combo, um, so you can get Kiki Jiki and then combo it with Pestermite. That's in here. I built a. Um wildfire deck already so like the the trick with wildfire and i mentioned this card earlier and its cousin destructive force it deals four damage to all the creatures and everybody sacrifices four lands it doesn't interact at all with planeswalkers so like if you're looking to build a deck with artifact ramp and planeswalkers this is a great way to clear the board after you've landed one or before you've landed it and there's very much a green ramp deck um there are what is that seven eight eight one drop elves uh, that you can get in, in some version or another, like I'm counting Birds of Paradise and Noble Hierarch as elves for the purposes of this. And then a couple two-drop uh, mana ramp creatures as well, from, you know, Rattlecall Mystic to Sylvan Caryatid. So you can certainly ramp in green. 
the, the, the biggest thing, like I mentioned, is those colorless ones mean that you can ramp in anything if you pick them up. And the reason I value those higher is there's, there's simply less of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there, there's certainly archetypes. Like you can do like blue, red is, is typically looking to do spell things. There's also a, a kind of a, an abundance of card draw in blue. So if you just want to sit there and cast mole drifters and tidings, you can probably get away with that. Um, and then, like I mentioned, the aggro decks are very much here and in full force. I, I'm not entirely sure about Reanimator. I kind of looking through here and just not quite seeing the cards that would make me want to go for that. I think all I saw was a Grizzlebrand. Like that's really the only thing that I saw when I was scrolling through the list. Yeah, there's like a Puppeteer clique. Um, yeah, so there's not much. Yeah, I, I don't see a real reason to go in on that. I will mention um, a, a card that a lot of people overlook and don't recognize the power of and i always want it when i'm playing black is vampire hex mage this sounds a bit innocuous it's black black for a 2-1 first strike sacrifice vampire hex mage remove all counters from target permanent what would you do with that dave it's a walk the plank for your opponent's planeswalkers it's exactly what it is yeah because there's no um dark depths in this right yeah so you're not you're not doing that with it but you you're can not just... doing that Play this, target their Planeswalker, and kill it immediately. It's dead. Um, and if they don't have one, cool, you got a 2-1 first strike. You can attack them with it. Yeah, that seems pretty good. So, um, And you said removal is pretty pretty generic. Is there any particular pieces of removal that you think stand out above the rest that you would take a little higher? I guess anything that's like target permanent goes up in value if Planeswalkers are going to be kind of the the powerful spells in your opponent's side of the table. So... Like, what am I thinking? Like, Vindicate? Cards like that, I guess? Yeah. Um, are, are we looking at those? We are, and also ones that are kind of unique to their color. Imprisoned in the Moon is an example, just because blue doesn't really get a lot of ways to interact with the board. Um, so, like, that's a fine one. Um, any, anything cheap is basically what I'm interested in. Like, Vraska's Contempt is in the cube, and it, it's certainly a good card, and I'm not saying I'm not going to play it. I'm just not going to pick that over Doomblade, for example. Right? So Vraska's Contempt is two black black exile target creature or planeswalker, you gain two life. I like that it says planeswalker, but like I, I'm still going to value the cheaper stuff a little bit more, like Doomblade. So I, I think mm-hmm. I'm still going to err on the, the, the cost of try to take the cheapest way to interact that you can. Okay. And I said Vindicate. I meant Anguish Unmaking. They're basically the same card. Yeah. One's an instant, more or less, same yeah. thing. I I still don't really know what's in modern. That's my inexperience with the modern format, but um okay. Cool. I think I have a grasp on it then. So but you you definitely like would you agree that you're like color pairs more than archetypes, right? Like every color pair wants to do their own thing, but it's not like, you know, like we said, like there's not really reanimator, you know, yes, ramp is a thing, but that's green's thing normally anyway, right? So it's it plays closer to a normal draft set than than vintage cube or legacy cube, right? It it does, but imagine it just super high powered, mm-hmm. right? Like okay. where every card is is super strong, um, and things are not necessarily as as linear as you're used to. For if you're just coming from Ixalan, like you can kind of go in whatever direction you want and draft whatever you want, and you don't have to draft the all planeswalker deck. Uh, what I think is interesting about this iteration is like that's a deck that I've almost always wanted to draft. It just hasn't always been the correct choice. And it looks like it might be this time around. So I'm, I'm pretty stoked about that. But like the, the options here for someone that hasn't played Cube 
or hasn't played this cube are very much here that you can just sit down and start picking um, mono white cards and draft an aggressive mono white deck and end up with a good version of it, even if there's somebody else at the table going for it. And I, I think the same is true for, you know, basically any of the colors except for blue. Um, a lot of Magic players like blue, and a lot of the card draw is in blue. Uh, some of the more powerful spells are in blue. Like this cube does have bribery in it. Three blue blue, search target opponent's library for a creature card, put that into play under your control, then that player shuffles his or her library. Like that's a very powerful card. And then, like I said, there's a lot of card draw in there. So I, I don't think you can get a mono blue deck. But almost any of the others, like if you just start forcing that color, you'll probably be fine to draft a deck that you'd like to play. And I, I like that that's a thing in cube as well. Yeah. I mean, we talked about that with the last cube where you could kind of just force your own thing and generally be okay. So it's kind of good to know that that is potentially still here, probably not as powerful, but um, definitely a thing you could do if you're new to the cube. So. All right, go out and draft cube on Magic Online. Let us know how you do. Um, in the meantime, though, do you want to do a cube crack pack? Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to that. We generated one on Cube Tutor, was it? Yeah, Cube Tutor. So there was no visual spoiler on the Magic uh, on the Wizards website, and um, I don't know about you, but I really like using the visual spoiler to go through a list. It's easier for me to visualize the cards than it is to read the card name. And, uh, and yeah, they have a neat little feature where you can generate a random pack. So this isn't collated like it would be necessarily on Magic Online, but I think with Cube, I don't really think that's a concern. I think you can still evaluate, you know, 15 cards next to each other and, and get the same concept as, you know, as a pack on Magic Online would be. So yeah, let's go through and, uh, and look at this pack. So what do you have for me here? All right. Uh, so let's, let's do, uh, take turns reading the cards so that we don't run out of breath here, but I'll start us with, uh, Flicker Wisp. One white, white for a 3-1 elemental creature with flying. When it comes into play, remove a target permanent from the game. Return that card to play under its owner's control at end of turn. So usually what you're doing with this is trying to reuse one of your own enter the battlefield abilities. It's also neat if your opponent has a creature in play with a bunch of plus one, plus one counters on it or something like that. You can blink it. If they have one of your guys under a pacifism style effect, you can blink the creature removing the pacifism. So there's a lot of neat stuff you can do here. You can even cast it, target one of your own lands, and then have that untapped during your opponent's turn. Sweet. All right. Um, next one up is Drana Liberator of Malakir. One black black for a legendary vampire ally. Allies are back. This is from the uh, Zendikar block, Battle for Zendikar block. Uh, two, three flying first strike. Whenever it deals combat damage to a player, put a plus one, plus one counter on each attacking creature you control. Uh, I remember drafting this back in the set when it was on Magic Online, and this is a dumb, dumb card. Once, If you can get one or two hits in with this, it kind of gets out of control. So um, in that format, it was a must answer. Um, I guess in this format, it probably gets outclassed by a few things, but if you're playing Mono Black Aggro, that seems like a pretty good pick. I, the one thing I always loved about this card, too, is because it has First Strike, everything else that's attacking is going to get that plus one, plus one counter um, before your opponent's creatures damage them. And I've, I've gotten people with that. I doubt you're going to get many people with that in cube, but you, you might still. So for example, if you're attacking with Drana and a 3-3 and they block your 3-3 with their 3-4, surprise, your guy's winning that combat because she'll deal the damage, put a counter on all your dudes, and then you win. Yep. Next card is Lightning Bolt. Red, instant, 3 damage to target creature or player. 
three damage to any target. That is what it says now. That is what it says that now. That is what it says now. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously pretty basic. Um, a card like this probably gets outclassed pretty easily in cube. Um, but like it's, you know, in a regular limited format, it's probably a first pick in most packs. And then you have this one and it's not. So that's just the nature of the beast. I, I don't think Lightning Bolt ever really gets outclassed. Um, it's it's on my list of cards that I think would be to re- reasonably first pick from this pack. Like just just that one mana. And it's like, look at the other two cards we've looked at so far. We're like, hey, these are actually pretty good. Kills both of them. It, act- it does kill both of them, but you probably take a Drana over this. I I would not. But we'll, we'll get to the argument later. We'll get to the... Sure, 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 sure. All right. Next, we've got Terramorphic Expanse. That's just your Evolving Wilds with a different name. Correct. After that is Scatter to the Winds. One blue blue for an instant counter target spell. It also has Awaken 3 for 6. Four blue blue. Uh, counter target spell. And you turn one of your lands into a 3-3. Three, three. I love these cards. I love the Awaken spells in the Zendikar block. They were really good. Yeah, modal spells. I, I love modal spells. Next up, we've got Blasphemous Act. That's eight and a red for a sorcery. It costs one less for each creature on the battlefield, and it deals 13 damage to each creature. So uh, Wipe that board. Yeah, yeah, a nice board wipe. Uh, we've also got Mana Leak. One in a blue for an instant. Counter target spell, unless its controller plays three colorless. Excuse me, three generic. Three generic, yeah, exactly. It's uh, we have to be we have to be careful about the colorless versus generic. Um, I said that to somebody the other day, and uh, I, I caught myself. So, uh, Nahiri the Harbinger, uh, two red white for Nahiri, which is a four loyalty planeswalker plus two. You may discard a card if you do draw a card. Minus two exile target enchantment tapped artifact or tapped creature, and minus eight search your library for an artifact or creature, put it on the battlefield, and then shuffle your library. It gains haste, and it goes to your hand at the beginning of the next. In step yeah we'll talk about that in a minute we've got windbrisk heights uh which is a land with hideaway enters the battlefield tapped when it does look at the top four cards of your library remove one of them from the game face down then put the rest on the, the bottom of your library it taps for white you can spend a white and tap it and play the removed card without paying its mana cost if you attacked with three or more creatures this turn uh, this obviously goes in your white Winnie deck and is a great way to kind of cheat out a Planeswalker or an extra creature or just kind of get some card advantage or, or slash card draw in a white deck that's looking to attack anyway. And next up, we got Micaeus the Lunark of Lunark Mantle, I guess. That's the one. X and a white uh, for a legendary creature, Human Cleric. It is a 0-0, enters the battlefield with X plus 1 plus 1 counters on it. Tap, put a plus 1 plus 1 counter on it. Tap and remove a plus one, plus one counter from it. Put a plus one, plus one counter on each other creature you control. That's kind of neat. I've never actually seen this card. Oh, really? Yeah, I've drafted with it in the original Innistrad, and I've played it in uh, several cube iterations. He's kind of neat in that he's mostly an anthem that you're using in your, your white decks. So you get some tokens out, you play Mikey, you tap him and pump your team, and then you can kind of invest some more counters in him later. I, I like Mike. Uh, next up is Temporal Isolation. One in a white for an aura with flash. Enchant creature. Enchant creature has shadow. For those of you that hadn't played in a while, this means it cannot... It It's basically like flying. It can only be blocked by creatures with shadow. Um, and then it says prevent all combat damage that would be dealt by enchanted creature. So you read this card and it reads a little weird. This is functionally a flash pacifism. 
right? The creature's not able to attack or block anymore. So if it has shadow, it can only be blocked by creatures that have shadow, and it can only block other creatures that have shadow. And there's very few shadow creatures in the set. There's the Looter Eel Core is the only one I can think of off the top of my head. But you can also flash it in while they're attacking with it. Uh, but it's it's kind of uh, common level white removal, and I, I think a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, flash pacifism seems great. Porcelain Legionnaire 2 and a white Phyrexian mana, which can be paid with white or two life. It's a 2-1 first strike, right? Nope, it's a 3-1 first strike. 3-1. The bottom of my thing is cut off. See, I would fail at magic trivia in modern. It's a (laughs) 3-1 first strike. I'm sorry. And it's an artifact creature, which might be relevant as well. Mm -hmm. I like this guy in mono red decks or mono white decks. Basically anything that's looking to be aggressive. 2-mana 3-1 first strike is pretty good. Uh, Next up we have Magma Jet. 1 in red for an instant. 2 damage to target creature or player or planeswalker. I guess any target is how we say it now. And it has Scry mm-hmm. 2. It's decent. Uh, one blue blue for uh, Spike Tail Drakeling, which is a... You'll have to tell me what numbers those are because they're cut off on the bottom. It's a 2-2. Two, two. It's a 2-2 two, two flyer. It's a Windrake. And you can sacrifice it to counter target spell unless its controller pays two generic. This card can be remarkably annoying. Uh, I don't think it's in the conversation for picks here, even out of the blue cards. But I, I have found I have been frustrated by this card many times in many different cubes. Usually what happens is your opponent lands something good and you're like, well, I could deal with that now or I could land my good card. So I'll land my good card. And then they play this and you're like, I don't have enough mana to... Well, it can be frustrating. And last card in our pack is Release the Gremlins. XX red for a sorcery. Destroy X target artifacts. Create X22 red gremlin creature tokens. Probably not enough artifacts, hey? Well, it depends on if people are prioritizing the mana rocks like they should be. Um, I, I would not be unhappy to have one of these in my sideboard. And Yeah, it, it's a sideboard card for sure. I, I think so. I had a Forsake the Worldly in the red-white deck that I played, and I brought it in in all three matches. So it, it might be that that should be main decked, but it's also really scary to play against mono-red. It's worth noting the swords are in this cube too. So like... Um, you might want to be prepared to face those as well. Okay. So there's Nahiri and then there's everything else? For me, that's kind of the case. I, I again, think the Planeswalkers are really powerful in this cube. Um, so I, I would probably windmill slam Nahiri here, but I think the conversation gets really interesting if you exclude her. Sure. Okay, so let's... So she's good because she's got insane amounts of loyalty... Uh, she can gain you some card advantage um, just by looting if unchecked. Um, if she's on a mostly empty board, you know, your opponent's beating you down with with one creature, she deals with that and then has enough loyalty to stick around for a while. And then obviously the minus eight um, can just be great depending on what the target is that you get. In cubes past, those have been cards like uh, Emrakul. I don't like what what would you get with her in for her ultimate in in a good deck here i got a bane slayer angel today that was great that's great so perfect even though it, it not sticking around is kind of a annoying you can still obviously play it the next turn um okay yeah she she fits the bill she checks all the boxes yeah it, i mean she's a removal spell she's also artifact and enchantment removal potentially which is just mm-hmm. not something you see super often in in, in a cube um uh Nulamog is here so, like, there's some pretty cool stuff you could get with her. Like, even just a worm coil engine is, is pretty awesome. It's true. Okay. 
So if she's not here, cards I'm looking at are, I mean, obviously Lightning Bolt. I like Drana. Um, there's no land that I'm interested in taking, I don't think. Like, Terramorphic Expanse is pretty, pretty unexciting, I think. And I don't know. Is Micaeus, like, is he, like, worth it if you're going to go, like, a mono-white aggro deck, I suppose? I think there's better anthems for that. Oh, yeah, we saw, I saw in your stream earlier, you were playing against somebody that had Honor the Pure and what was the other one? Uh, Glorious Anthem. Right, they had, they had both of them. So, yeah, you're right, there are better anthems. Yeah, I, I think those cards are in contention. For for me, I would be looking at Flicker Wisp if I want to do mono-white things. I think that's the better option there. Lightning Bolt, I think, can be quite good. I do think Terramorphic Expanse is worth first picking. Uh, because it, even if you're just in a two-color deck, it's absolutely going to fix you. And like I said, I, I had a deck today that ended up being four colors, and I could easily see doing five. And like that, that's going to do something for you. I, I mentioned this the last time we talked cube, and I want to mention it here as we're about to unleash people to go draft more cubes. You're going to draft 23 cards, and it's cube. They're all going to be exceptionally powerful cards. They're going to be good. So every land that you pick means you're playing another one of your picks that your opponent isn't. Right, So if, if I sit down and Dave and I are going to play and I picked 23 cards and then put my basics in and he picked 23 cards and five lands and then put his basics in, he's he's got five more cards from the cube. And we've said these are all powerful cards in his deck that he's playing against me. So don't ignore that aspect of it. Um, arguably, Windbrisk Heights might even be better than the Flicker Wisp if I knew I was going straight into white aggro. Because again, it's a spell on a land that I, I'm not really taking much argument to play here. I, I like Flicker Wisp because you can do some kind of fun stuff with it and get those enter the battlefield abilities. Like if you've temporarily isolated the wrong creature, you can blink your own enchantment and reset it and put it on something else. Like it just so many ways you can go there. Um I I do like Scatter to the Winds and Mana Leak as blue options here. Mana Leak usually if I'm trying to um I've seen some aggressive blue white decks with Geist of St. Traft. But like it's hard to argue with Mana Lake. And then Scatter the Winds just gets better the longer the game goes, as opposed to Mana Lake, which gets worse. Um, cards I would actively want to avoid out of this, for me, would be the, the Gremlins. The Magma Jet, I don't think, deals with enough stuff. Um, and then Blasphemous Act. I've, I've never actually played this in any of the iterations of Cube. Normally, I wouldn't be excited about first picking Drana, but if you're like really sold on the idea that you want to play mono black or really go hard on the black, Ray is on my shoulder telling me it's the only black card in the pack. Take the card and then just cut the heck out of black. You'll get rewarded in the next one. So I think that discussion gets kind of interesting and you can sort of go in any direction that you want to. And you could even ignore the advice about Planeswalkers and take one of those cards if you wanted to. I just, I really think this is kind of Dirtle Planeswalker Cube unless you want to force one of the aggressive strategies. Okay. I think that one of the things to keep in mind here too is that, you know, if Lightning Bolt is a 10 out of 10 and let's say Terramorphic Expanse is a 9 out of 10 or an 8 out of 10 in this cube, I think the difference between those two is much smaller than they would be in a normal set, right? So like you you get a normal set and you get lightning bolt in a normal draft set and you'd be like windmill slam pick it, no questions asked, you know, I can get my fixing later. Um, or you, you slam pick a 10 out of 10. But here, all the picks are close enough. And because you're going to get so many powerful cards later on is you can find something that's not as powerful as lightning bolt 
but you can pick up a Doom Blade, which maybe it's a nine out of ten or a nine and a half out of ten or something like Flame that. Flame right? slashes in the, the cube, like you can get one of those. There you go, right? Like they're functionally the same card for a different amount of mana, and they are worse, like objectively worse, like strictly worse. Um, but they're close enough for most purposes that you can get away with things like that. So, you know, it's it might be quote unquote a mistake to take Drana. But if you end up playing black and end up playing her, she's she's going to be good when you put her on the table and your opponents are going to have to deal with her. Um, so, like, maybe you're losing percentage points by taking her, but you're not losing a ton of value by not taking a lightning bolt or not taking a Terramorphic Expanse, for example. So, And that's the same with all cubes that we've talked about, is that you can make those types of mistakes and not necessarily get punished harshly for it if that makes sense yeah sure and i think another way to explain that would be to if if you're coming at this uh having drafted limited sets in the past five years or so you're used to opening a pack of cards and having one or two very powerful cards and then kind of a flat power level for the rest of them and you're used to your deck having i don't know somewhere around five cards that you're really excited to play and then the rest of the cards kind of like, oh yeah, these are here too, right? Like you're, I've got my two good removal spells and my three bombs, and then there's these other cards I'm playing. That's not usually what cube is. Cube is more like, here's 20 powerful cards that I'm excited to play, and then three pieces of mana ramp or like weird conditional cards that, you know, like, this is cool, I want to play with it type cards. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So keep that in mind as you're going through, and I think that'll improve your cube experience. Plus, it's Phantom, and it's relatively inexpensive online, so just go ahead and burn some tickets on it. Get good. Yeah, I haven't burned any tickets yet. I had a 2-1 today, and then I started another one while Arena was down, and I'm 2-0 so far with it. Um, And those are just my first dabblings in here. I would encourage everybody to try this at least once. I think Cube is an absolute blast. And I think with these changes, they've actually really nailed the modern Cube. Like, I I was initially not too excited for this one to come back because the original iteration was kind of like, here's a bunch of four drops and no way to accelerate to them. So good luck hitting your land drops. And I I didn't really enjoy that. It it just felt kind of weird and clunky. But just that addition of a little bit of mana acceleration has completely changed it and made it something that I'm interested in. So like... Even though Arena's out, I'm going to take time to make sure that I get to do it at least two or three of these a week because it's fun. Right on. I look forward to that too. And uh, it'll be a nice little stopgap over until Dominaria. Yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to Dominaria too, Dave. Yeah, as we said last week, we have preview card coming next week. So our, our podcast is going to be early next week. We're going to record it Monday night and it'll go live on Tuesday. So look for that. We'll be posting that on Twitter along with the preview card. And uh, we hope everybody enjoys that. We, we're we going to have a lot to say about about this. Um, and we'll probably talk about a few other spoilers at the same time. Man, Dominaria looks sweet. I don't know if you're following along. But holy heck, man. There is some cool looking cards in this set. I saw the commercial for Dominaria on Twitch the other day. Have you seen that yet? I've seen both of them. There are two. Okay, I didn't know there were two, but like, honestly, that got me excited. You hear this like awesome deep voice narrating things, and then it zooms out and it's Karn with his hand on like a globe. I'm like, oh, heck yeah, I want to play that. And then like getting to see the art, like we talked about it two months ago, various Teferi cards. 
but getting to see the art for Teferi and all of these cards is getting me exciting. It, really excited. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be cool. We're going to have a lot to say about that. And then the week after that will be the preview show, I think, as I open up my calendar and check. Yeah, so next week's spoilers or uh, preview cards. Week after will be a preview. And then on the 21st, 22nd, set goes live in paper. I, we don't have any notice on whether it goes live on Magic Online before that. I'm really hoping that it does. Either way, we will have our episode to you that week so that you can go to your pre-release or go to Magic Online and hopefully crush some noobs. Yep, and it looks like we're going to have the full spoiler um, out by Friday-ish of next week. I'm hoping so. I'm planning to do a set review uh, with Lord Tupperware, a.k.a. Ethan Sachs, who did fill in on this show for me once. I still remember that. He dubbed it over my name. I don't remember. I mean, hasn't he always been on the podcast? Yeah, yeah. Wow, this is weird. This is like some kind of like matrix black mirror dreamlike scenario for me i appreciated the way you gentlemen handled that uh but we'll be streaming a set review together um on my channel for this one we'll do the next one on his channel and then dave and i will do a primer for you on the podcast so we'll have all of the dominaria info here for you oh man there's so much to talk about so little time agree can we just can we just invent a time machine so that we can fast forward to dominaria and see how awesome it is and then come back and talk about it we've got arena and cube to hold us over in the meantime. And both of these are awesome offerings. All right. That's fair. That will tide me over. It has gone quite quickly. So I'm looking, uh, it's, it's been fun. Um, I'm ready to go, but I can, I can last a couple of, couple of weeks here. There you go. All right. So I think that's going to wrap it up there this week. Uh, once again, thanks to men deprived and face to face games.com for the host and the support. Travis, where they, can they catch you drafting Modern Cube this week? You can find me Modern Cubing and Arenaing at twitch.tv slash Simulin, S-E-M-U-L-I-N. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter under the same name, at Simulin. And I am DCivillian, that's D-S-A-V-I-L-L-I-A-N, on Twitch and Twitter, the same. Uh, probably more Arena than Modern Cube this next couple of weeks, but uh, it'll be magic content. Uh, it's been uh, It's been fun so far, so we're going to do the little more of that give the peoples what they want but for now go out and enjoy your modern cube and let us know how it goes thanks again for listening we'll catch you next time adios